MJF does nothing for me. Anyone that says he's a great deal is fucking delusional and just wants to be accepted in this new age of pro wrestling fans. I hope, honestly, I hope Moxley beats him in 10 seconds. If he doesn't and they let this match go 15 minutes and MJF, who sucks at wrestling, and Moxley's going to have to carry him through this whole match, and oh, it's just going to be bad. Charlotte Flair does not have to be involved in the first of everything or the major angle of everything involving the women in your company. Now you expect me to believe that she's going to win the Royal Rumble and go down to NXT and what, help make Rhea Ripley a star? She's probably going to end up beating Rhea Ripley and going down to NXT and I don't want to say ruin a perfectly good women's division, but kind of hold things up down there. She was forced into the main event of last year's WrestleMania. She's involved in the first of everything when it comes to the women. Give it a rest for a little bit. And sure enough, Oldberg wins the Universal title. And I'm like, I can't believe they actually did this stupid mistake again. We don't need a 53-year-old man with a barbed wire tattoo who was revelant about 20-something years ago in a title match at the biggest pay-per-view of the year. I'm getting tired of part-timers walking into WrestleMania with the title. The Rock a couple years ago. Lesnar seems to be doing it every year where he walks in with the title and drops it. Why can't we have two full-time guys wrestle for the fucking title? I mean, how hard is that? Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C., joined today by my co-host, the chairman, Stephen Vincent. We are doing two shows this week because we have two big uh, pay-per-views, premium live events, whatever you want to call them, uh, coming up this weekend with WWE Clash of the Castle, Clash at the Castle, excuse me, taking place on Saturday, and AEW All Out taking place on Sunday. So... Tonight's show, we will strictly focus on the WWE. We will preview Clash of the Castle and talk about a few other things going on in the world of WWE. And then our preview show that we're going to record Friday, so you'll probably hear it on Saturday, will be our all-out preview show. We'll preview that and talk about everything in the world of AEW. So, like I said, tonight's focus, WWE-related. Before we get actually into the pay-per-view, a couple of things we should be talking about. First being that we have new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions with... Aaliyah and Raquel Rodriguez scoring an upset last night over EO Sky and Dakota Kai to become the new women's tag team champions. Um, you know, there's reports that the reason they want to do it is because they want to start building up Raquel Gonzalez to be a big star, which I can see they did that in NXT. But, I mean, one thing that worked for NXT is that she was kind of like a, like a badass, where she would just go in, kick ass, and leave. And, like, I don't know, now that Vince is gone, maybe Raquel will stop smiling so much because that was her whole thing is she was just big smile and happy to be there. And it's like, uh... Okay, where was the where's the NXT version of Raquel I used to see? Uh, I know everybody kind of thought it was going to be Dakota and Io winning. I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, it seems so weird that Aaliyah, who has been in NXT for was NXT for like six years and really was doing not much on the main roster, and all of a sudden is now a tag champion. I mean, Raquel is obviously going to be the star of the group. Aaliyah's a fine hand. Uh, you know, she's not anything great. Uh, but, you know, I guess you know, I'm fine with it, especially if it's going to be Sasha Banks and Naomi coming back at some point. I guess you want, you know, faces to be their first challengers for the titles. I don't know, but I'm not like I'm not going to say that was a, this is a dumb move. I know some people don't like it. Uh, I think, Sherman, you're one of them. I don't think you weren't that big of a fan of this move, right? I don't like it. I I mean, 
And then they're saying that Dakota wasn't the legal person, so like they might have a rematch clause specifically on that. But the finish, you know, obviously Bianca and friends ran out there and chased off Bailey, and then Aaliyah gets the big pinfall victory. And it, it, it just sits sour with me because, like you said, Aaliyah's been at NXT for like six, seven years. Like, she's probably had like three classes of NXT women like pass her by. And, you know, she's failed how many times, how many reboots. Robert Stonebrand even tried to, like, build her up and failed, like, and then they just randomly throw her with Raquel Gonzalez, and I felt like Raquel Gonzalez would be better off as a singles competitor for how they built her up before she left NXT, but then, like you said, you know, she was a badass, you know, take all comers, which is kind of what Shayna Baszler is kind of on SmackDown now as the big heel, monster heel, so... They're not going to have two characters like that, probably. So they're like, well, we have nothing else for Raquel, so we'll be a tag champion with Aaliyah. But I just really, yeah, it was predictable that a lot of people would think that Io and Dakota would win. But let's remember, Dakota was not even in the WWE a month ago. Io Sky was on the verge of going back to Japan. Like, these two women were left for dead, basically. And then, you know, Triple H takes over, Vince is out. You know, this is a faction that Vince turned down, mind you. And obviously Bailey's back now, which is really interesting that Bailey is back, but Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky are all gone. Like those three women, obviously the four horsemen were carrying things the last, you know, how long? And then all of a sudden, you know, recent things happened, injuries, and you know, whatever's going on backstage politics, whatever. But uh, now it's just Bailey. It's kind of weird. But um, I really thought honestly, like, you know, if Io and Dakota would have won the titles. And then, you know, obviously we have the big six-women tag match coming up this weekend, the Clash. You know, this could have opened up another match for Asuka and Alessa Bliss. Or, you know, everyone thinks that Sasha and Naomi are coming back. And, you know, some people think they're going to come back as heel. I think they might come back as face. Because I think people are going to pop like crazy to see them back. And, you know, you could easily play the narrative of Bailey and Sasha again. You know, Bailey has her little goon squad. And, you know, I feel like just they could have went after Sasha and Naomi and it's just interesting. I mean, I don't know. I just don't like this bookie decision, especially with Aaliyah. If Raquel would have had another partner, a stronger partner, like a Sonya Deville or Natalia, you know, I could have got behind that. But I can't get behind Aaliyah. She's just dead weight to me. She's nothing special. Um, I feel like this tag division could be dead in the water from the get-go if, uh, I don't know. I think this is Papa H's first uh, dropped ball in my book. Yeah, meanwhile, you got Toxic Attraction back down in NXT tonight trying to mess around on the tag team division there where I thought they were going to get a call-up maybe to the main roster. I still wonder how injuries played a, fa- played a part in some of this booking because you figure, <coughs> excuse me, originally it was supposed to be Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons, and then Zoe Stark got injured and Nikita Lyons couldn't get into Canada, and then Toxic Attraction gets put in there and they win their first match, and then... Uh, Gigi Dolan gets hurt, so it's like, oh, well, I kind of screwed up that whole right side of the bracket there, so I do wonder if that played a tiny part into some things, like maybe Toxic Attraction was supposed to win, uh, if they would have gotten all the way to the end, who knows, but... I mean, yeah, it's like I said, I'm willing to like, I'm willing to give it a try. Like you said with Aaliyah, it's one of those things where she's been there like in so long and I never really, you know, she's okay. She's fine, but I never really saw improvement in her whenever she was down there next to you. And like Sharon said perfectly, it's like how many women passed her by that whole time she was down there in NXT. And then I think I remember even saying when she got called up in the draft, I said, it's pretty much sink or swim time for her. It's like, She's been down there for so long, she can't do anything else. 
she's got to be given the chance at some point, and she pretty much did nothing. She had one big win that first uh, the first couple weeks she was up, and then they did that whole like beating Natalia in like three seconds thing for the quickest win in WWE history, and then she pretty much did nothing again, and now Papa H decides to give her another chance. So I'm willing to wait it out, see what happens, uh, but we'll, we'll see what ends up going on with the tag team division. And like we said, Sasha and Naomi, or there's that, that sign said on Raw last night that was quickly compensated. We want Naomi, not Bacha Banks. So uh, who knows? Another thing that seems to be happening is, praise the Lord, we are getting first names back in the WWE because it seems like they were referring to Riddle as Matt Riddle last night, and then Austin Theory was getting his first name back as well. So... This is good. I mean, in some cases it worked, like going just down to Rusev or Cesaro worked, but Theory, Riddle, Riddle, um, Apollo, when he went down to just Apollo. Uh, but, you know, it, it seems like if your name is a like noun or uh, like a Riddle or Theory, it sounds stupid. But I, I hope we get the end of this name being shortened, changed, whatever here. What do you, I'm assuming you agree with this chairman. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, when you get introduced to a wrestler in, you know, NXT or WWE or whatever promotion you watch, nothing annoys me more than changing the name of a wrestler. Like we used to have Big E Langston remember years ago. And, you know, just like, it just blows my mind. Tommaso Ciampa got his name chopped. I mean, it's just like, you know, give these guys their names back. Like, Theory just sounds stupid. I mean, he's just stupid to begin with, but that's a whatever debate there. But, you know, Matthew Riddle, Matt Riddle, we want to call him. You know, that's what we were introduced to him has, and that's kind of what sticks with us. And then all of a sudden, they go to Raw or SmackDown, and then Vince was like, oh, we got to change our name. I was like, why would we got to do that? Was like, I got action figures that say their names. Like Raquel Gonzalez, you know, obviously got changed to Raquel Rodriguez. I was going to buy her Elite figure. Well, I'm not going to buy it now because her name got changed, and I just – I don't know. I'm anal like that. So it's just like, don't mess with the names. Is this the name that you give them? Let them keep it. And I understand like gimmicks change, you know, like those are major character changes too, mind you though. It's not just like, we're going to drop his name. No, it's, I mean, you, yeah, whatever. But I'm happy that the names are coming back. It makes sense. You know, there's a few other things I hope Papa H kind of changes as time goes on. Maybe we get Tommaso Ciampa's uh, old theme back. You know, it's just it's just baby steps, though. One week at a time. Yeah, I agree. One one week at a time. I mean, we there's been you know the last three of the last four weeks since Triple H has taken over, Raw has averaged over two million viewers for the first time since before the pandemic. Uh, so that is obviously a positive sign. It's, I've seen people I've like on other wrestling message boards that kind of wrote off the WWE, seeing the results and stuff, and going. All right, well, you know, some of us is looking pretty good. You know, I might be willing, maybe I'm willing to get it step, take a step back. Now, of course, it's still being three hours isn't that helpful. Uh, of course, that's really never changing back to uh, anything less than three hours. So I don't think we uh, can hope for that anytime soon. But you know, the positive signs, the positive changes are there and they're showing. Uh, last thing real quick before we get into Clash of the Castle. Uh, well, I'll, I'll ask you this, Jim, before I say anything. What are your thoughts on the Miz-Dexter Loomis storyline? You know, it it's filler to me. It's good for Dexter Loomis for getting hired back, you know, and obviously he does that stalkerish, creepy character very well. He's got the look down, you know, doesn't speak. His character's great. I don't personally care for it i hate it when it's an xt 
I really don't care for it now. I mean, it's just whatever to me, the kidnapping stuff, stalking Miz. You know, I'm hoping, you know, if I watch Miz and Mrs., you know, he's hanging out with Moreau in a freaking pool or something, or him and George are sitting there having a beer, you know, that'd be kind of cool. You know, that would make me chuckle a little bit. But otherwise, it's like, I don't know. I'm more interested in a lot of the other stories going on in WWE. Like, Sami Zayn is my freaking savior right now. You know, the Usos with him, that, that's fucking a good story. KO involved, that's a good story. That was popping last night. You know, Riddle and uh, Rollins, you know, there's a lot of good stories going on. You know, Roman and Drew, I mean, but the Miz and Champa, no fit. I mean, I, I need them to break up is what I need. And then Miz and Lewis can go play, and then Champa can get back with Johnny Gargano. They can go win the tag titles, maybe, or something cool. After Johnny takes us, give you some theory. I don't know. But Miz and Loomis, it's just, there's a lot of good things on Raw, but that, that don't interest me. Yeah, but Miz is constant. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I mean, like you said, good for Dexter Loomis for, for showing back up, getting the job back. Um, I know there, you know, his character is pretty much hit or miss with people. Like, some people love it, some people hate it. But I'm kind of with you, with where it's like, it's a fine mid-card act for me. I don't think the guy is going to be main eventing any premium live events anytime soon. But, hey, if he's going to, like, be a mid-card storyline filler, get 10 to 15 minutes of TV time on a three-hour show every week, I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, and like you said, the storyline with the uh, Usos and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens has been great with now Zayn, you know, not wanting to hit KO last night. Uh, there's there's a lot to like. Like we said, there's a lot to good, especially coming into Clash of the Castle here. Uh, this six-match this six match show only. It's kind of to the point where I... <sighs> I don't know if I am. I have to watch Dynamite. I can't really say I can fairly judge that be watching the go-home show for Dynamite tomorrow. Uh, so I don't know if I'm more hyped for more. I don't necessarily say, I don't want to say I'm more excited for this than All Out, but I'll say that I'm looking forward to watching this more than I was when it was like a month ago. And it's like, oh, great. A Saturday pay-per-view the week before, the day before All Out. Um, but like you look at all six of these matches and I think, you know, five of them have a shot to be really good wrestling matches. So I think it's one of those things where it's going to be an easy, what, two, two and a half hours, probably two and a half hours, three hour watch of a show, whether it's you watch it on Saturday afternoon, you watch it on Saturday night, you watch it on Sunday before all out. I think it's going to be a, a good watch. What do you think, Chairman? Yeah, it's really funny. Like, you know, a month ago, plus, you know, before Triple H, obviously came into, you know, the game and, you know, we saw this announced, you know, how long ago, obviously. And it's like, okay, we're happy for the fans over there. They finally get a premier live event. Good for them. And, you know, Wales, Europe, wherever the hell that is. But then it's like, okay, you're right before All Out. And this is when I was like, AEW, obviously, was on a high. So I'm like, okay, there's no way you guys are going to beat AEW this weekend. And that's like, you know, we saw them announce Drew and Roman. And we're like, okay, whatever. But now, obviously, they've built this stuff up. The card's been put together. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing. And it's just like, and obviously we've talked about the AEW kind of struggles, you know, last week. And it's almost like a 180. Like, I'm more excited right now for Clash of the Castle than I am for All Out. Like, we don't even know who the AEW World Championship matches. And that's a bad thing in my book right now, a week before, not even. Whereas the Roman Drew stuff has been done very well. Like, it's just, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I'm definitely more hyped for this event than All Out right now. Yeah, I mean, if it was 
WWE who didn't have a pay-per-view match or their title match less than a week before the show, they'd be getting shit on, and rightfully so. And it seems like people are willing to give like, oh, well, you know, it's, you know, you know, they, they did this last week. It was a good story. No, no, you just need to have, there's no clear-cut main event on this show right now. Now, you could have done FTR versus Young Buck, which is apparently what FTR thought was going to be happening uh, at the show, and that could have been your main event, all tag titles on the line. But that's this is something to discuss more, uh, more on Friday when we preview all out. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this show, and there's not even a bad like it's either a match that's been built built pretty well, or the match itself is just going to be a good wrestling match. Uh, so it's it should hopefully. Uh, flow by. I got a feeling there might be a surprise or two, given that it's the first UK show like this in years. So I got a feeling we might be getting a surprise or two on the show as well. Is it Sasha and Naomi? Is it a possible uh, Bray Wyatt return? Is it a possible Braun Strowman return, which I've heard we've the last couple days has been rumored by some people. I think Sean Ross Sapp on Fightful has reported that there have been his name has been brought up internally, nothing concrete or anything, but his name's been brought up for possible returns and creative plans. So that's some guy there you, you can maybe look at, you know, unless he wants to continue to cr- uh, control his own narrative or create your own narrative, whatever the hell it is. But let's get into the show. Six-match show here. So uh, I guess I, there might maybe there's another match or two added before uh, between now and uh, the show on Saturday. Who knows? And if there is, we'll talk about it on Friday. But let's get into this. Let's start with the match that was just made uh, last night on Raw, which is Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic in their corner against Finn Balor and Damian Priest, Judgment Day with Rhea Ripley in their corner. So... This story's been going on for a while. Obviously, you've got Rio, who's been constantly beating up Dominic. You got Dominic, who didn't really want to hit Rio yesterday with the kendo stick. Uh, so that whole story's there. I said this last night on Twitter, and I still kind of feel the same way. Is I think Judgment Day is needs something. They're missing something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fact that. Finn Balor and Damian Priest, I don't know, like Finn Balor, you, you would think Finn Balor being in Bullet Club in the past would lead him to be more of like a leader and show that. And I don't know why, but I just don't get that leader vibe with him in this group. I don't know if they need another member. I don't know what, but there's something Judgment Day is missing. Personally, I think is the fact they don't get any big wins. So for me, that's one thing that's missing is that they need a big win on a premium live event. Because uh, well, not only that, Edge beat Damian Priest on Raw uh, last a couple Mondays ago. You had uh, Judgment Day lost to the Mysterios uh, on SummerSlam, so there's that. I mean, ever since Edge took over the group, it seems like they've just become there, and they're missing something. I'm gonna re- repeat my same mistake I made last month and pick Judgment Day to win this match here. Uh, you know, Ray can take a pinfall or maybe Dominic turns on them, which I don't think they should do because nobody can take Dominic Mysterio doing anything seriously with that god-awful haircut. But I'm going to go ahead and say Judgment Day ends up winning this match here, and maybe it's a push in the right direction for them. Uh, who do you got, Chairman? I agree. I think Judgment Day needs to win first off, and I think, first off, I agree. Dominic Mysterio, you cannot grow a mullet, my friend. You are awkward-looking as it is. Like, your render's outdated, but then you have this gattleful mullet. He's you trying to grow like his real father. dad's hair. Yeah, he doesn't look like your father. I mean, Eddie Eddie is disgusted with you. He needs you to cut your hair short and bleach it blonde, and then go to NXT so we don't have to see you anymore, because Ray is great. You are not. Um, with that being said, 
yeah, I mean, we watched that match last night. Um, you know, it was Judgment Day against uh, AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler, like a really random tag team, but it works. You know, that's what you need to do with like, you know, guys that could be main event caliber talents or upper card guys like Ziggler and Styles. You know, put them in a tag team. Like the Usos desperately need some new challengers, and I felt like Styles and Ziggler or you know Damian Priest and Finn Balor excuse me, would be, like, great challenges for those fresh matchups. Like, yeah, I get that vibe. I totally agree, Justin. Like, Finn Balor doesn't feel like a leader to me. He feels more like Damian Priest's tag team partner to me. I feel more like more like Rhea Ripley is the leader of those two right now. Like, Rhea Ripley has been having a breakout performance since his faction formed. Like, she has been fantastic. I mean, just harassing Mysterio left and right. I mean, if she got, you know, her opportunity to challenge Bianca Belair back at some point, like, I would love that for her, and I think with Judgment Day, you know, just that would help her grow as a performer. I think her would be a big threat to that women's division. Obviously, she's probably banged up still, or they're just using her as kind of like a manager role somewhat. Or I think a Beth Phoenix match is probably in the cards at some point, or maybe a mixed tag match with Edge and Beth against either Finn or Damian and Rhea. But, um, yeah, I really think those guys need to win this match. And I really don't want to see Dominic turn heel and join the Judgment Day. If he wants to turn on his daddy and or attack Edge, fine, we can do that. And then that would get Judgment Day kind of away from them guys. And then Edge and Dominic and Ray can have a fallout, whatever. But Judgment Day is my pick to win this match. They need a big win here. And who knows, maybe they get a new member or something if we're lucky. Yeah, the last thing I need is one of those brooding Dominic promos. Oh, my father held me back. I, first of all, it's probably because he couldn't even cut that promo if his life depended on it. And like you said, Dominic, man, it's just, it's not there talent-wise with his dad. I mean, he's, we all know what kind of prospect his dad was when he was younger and already like main eventing shows in Mexico when he was like 17, 18. And then his real father, Eddie Guerrero, doing the same kind of thing, you know, in you know, Mexico too as well. And he just, that, that gene did not pass down. It's not like... Rick Pat not being able to pass down the wrestling gene to David Flair levels of bad, but it's probably the next step up from there. Uh, all right, let's go to the IC title match, Gunther versus Sheamus. Uh, Gunther, Walter, whatever you want to call him. Uh, again, good for them building up this IC title again with Gunther as champion. Um, he's looked great. I like that segment they had on... Uh, SmackDown last week where the guys, their buddies are all fighting and Gunther and Sheamus are just kind of staring there at each other, not doing anything, just staring. Um, SmackDown spoilers for this week, so tune away for five seconds, but apparently Butch Pete Dunne gets his old wrestling gear back, so we have that to be happy with there, but this is going to be a a fun match. What do you think, Chairman? Going to have two dudes just beating the shit out of each other. I mean, I almost wish uh, Guthrie and uh, Ludwig would have, like, a third person like they used to because, obviously, they need to even the odds since uh, Sheamus has um, Ridge, Holland, and Pete Dunn. I do not acknowledge that other stupid name. Like, if Papa H is going to give old names back, let's get Pete Dunn back. Please. Please. We're begging you. We're begging you. Um, I don't know who's going to win this match, but I'm very happy to see the Intercontinental title is actually defended on a premier live event again for the first time in ages. Um, you know, obviously Sheamus is trying to win the Intercontinental Champion because that would be the last title he needs to have claimed all the championships, which is kind of crazy because he's been there forever. But, you know, Undertaker, Cena, you know, they've been there forever. And obviously the Intercontinental title obviously just didn't happen for them either. I mean, there's lots of other wrestlers too. But, um, 
you know, Sheamus has been kind of a mid-card guy, you know, he's been U.S. champion how many times, so kind of interesting that it's kind of passing by, but he's got a shot here, but I don't think he's going to lose to, I, I think he's going to lose, I'm sorry, I think Gunther's going to win, I think it's just, Gunther's dominant, I mean, he's obviously portrayed as a badass, you know, he dominated NXT UK, I think that they need a strong title reign for the Intercontinental title to put Prestige back on it, and, you know, hell, I would be all for Gunther, you know, beating Sheamus and then Gunther fighting Pete Dunne at some point. I mean, obviously they have history for the NXT UK Championship, so if we can kind of get that feud going, we're all in. Yeah, I mean, also at the same time as well, uh, you know, they do the brand thing again at Survivor Series. Hopefully if they do, there's actually stakes involved to it. Uh, Gunther versus Lashley sounds like a very, very fun match to uh, look forward to if that ends up happening at a Survivor Series show. But yeah, I mean, Sheamus is just taking losses at this point. He pretty much lost almost every match in his few with Drew. Uh, I think he's probably going to take another loss here. But again, he's a guy he's been around now, geez, for 15 years at least. So he's between 15 and 20 years. And, you know, he's a guy who's got, you know, his his character is built. It's not changing. Nothing's changing about it. Everybody knows who he is. He reinvents himself here and there a little bit. But it's pretty much these newer guys' time. So Gunther, Walter, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I think he wins here, retains the IC title. I agree with you, Chairman. Yeah, give him a long ring. Give Lashley a long ring with the U.S. title and pretty much go forward right from there. Uh, let's go over now to the SmackDown women's title match, which is Liv Morgan defending the SmackDown women's title against Shayna Baszler. I don't know what they're doing with Liv Morgan. It seems like they kind of put the title on her and... They don't really know, like, I don't know, necessarily, like, she's been treated as this, like, obviously an underdog babyface from the start, but at the same time, she's not really coming off as, like, a a stronger underdog babyface, where she continues to kind of look weak every at every kind of place that she's at, and Shayna's pretty much made her look like a goof the whole time throughout this feud. I know there was video she posted on her uh, social media that she was training uh, MMA Jiu-Jitsu with Riddle this past week, uh, so I don't know, but it seems like, again, if you want to talk about rocky things for Triple H's start, this whole booking of Liv Morgan might be up there so far. Now, of course, Liv Morgan was made champ before Triple H took over, so who knows what would have happened if Money in the Bank happened before uh, uh, when Triple H took over, and maybe he doesn't go forward Liv Morgan as the winner. Who knows? But it's one of those things where I could almost see them taking the title off Liv here, mostly because, you know, I think Shayna is kind of a Triple H project, you know, back when NXT when he was running NXT and Shayna had a long reign there. Uh, so I could almost see them doing it here. Ronda Rousey comes into play too. What are they going to do with her? She's been on SmackDown the last couple of weeks, but hasn't gotten a match. Do they bring Ronda over and maybe have Ronda cause some interference in the match? But I'm going to go ahead and say they keep the title on Liv here, even though it would not surprise me at all if there was a title change. Um, who do you got, Chairman? I think Liv falls into a weird category that happens to a lot of fan favorite baby faces. Like we all were behind her for the chase for how long, you know, then she won money in the bank and that was cool. And then of course, typical money in the bank women fashion chases in instantly. So like, there's no like long money in the bank. It's right to the champion. And I feel like 
it was almost like Vince was like giving the fans kind of like a farewell gift sort of thing. Like this is obviously what someone that then a lot of fans have been pushing for forever. So they wanted that feel good moment and everybody's happy. But then Liv just looks weak as champion. They really don't know what to do with her. Like Shayna Baszler is back to Shayna Baszler NXT badass again. And I mean, if you watch NXT when Shayna was there, I know you and I both have Justin, but like she freaking ran that place like she beat everybody we would joke on this podcast when we watched NXT takeovers like don't bet against Shayna Baszler like it was insane and like every time we we're thinking she was gonna lose it boom she retained her freaking title and I'm gonna keep that momentum going I'm not betting against Shayna Baszler right now she's hot I think like you said she's a Triple H project I think that they want to establish her as the badass monster heel that she was down there onto Smackdown and Smackdown honestly needs it so she's gonna win Plus, I think there's a big money match later when Ronnie decides to come back. I think they want to do Ronnie and Shayna at some point. I don't know when or where, but I think that if they get the title on Shayna, Ronnie wants their belt back, their match will happen, it will be buzzed, it will be big, it's going to happen. So I, And if Liv retains, great, good for her, but they really need to figure her out. But all arrows for me point to Shayna Baszler. Uh, yes, those are the days back when we would actually preview NXT shows and talk about them like they were big events because they were. And yeah, I, re- I remember those don't bet on don't bet against Shayna days. And then some of us would and then we would just keep losing and until it would actually happen. Um, let's stick in the women here. Let's get this six woman tag talked about here. Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss and Asuka versus Bailey, Io Sky and Dakota Kai. Um They've done a good job of building this up and, you know, making Bailey's group look like a threat at the same time and also making, you know, this these baby faces coming together and working together pretty well. They actually had a match against some enhancement talent, jobbers, whatever you want to call them, last night, which is something we haven't seen on a Raw in forever. I applaud them for doing that. But, I mean, we talked about it at SummerSlam, how Bailey's group with Bailey, EO, and Dakota kind of just rejuvenated uh, women's scene. And, Chairman, you talked about it earlier, without Charlotte, Becky, or Sasha around at all. And it seems like the women's division might be as popular or as or as close to popular as it has been, even with those women around. What do you think? This is the new blood that they needed. This is the new life that they needed. And this faction is fantastic. I oh mean, god! Now Vince Russo is going to hear this and why not going to want to name the Bailey's group the New Blood? Oh Jesus, no! <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, Bombass Corbin's probably going to be disappointed because I didn't shave my neck beard before we recorded. I just didn't uh, have time. Man, you better hope you didn't see that tweet. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this fashion's great. I, I love it. I mean, I wish they would have won the tag titles because then they could have hopped brands. But you know, and see Bailey torment Michael Cole still, which is so classic to this day. Um, this match is big. Obviously, Bianca Belair is the Raw Women's Champion. And I feel like that the evil Bailey faction is going to win because they really can't take two big L's in a week, let alone a premier live event. Like, this faction needs to win. I feel like if they lose this match, it's going to halt, kill their momentum, basically. And Alexa Bliss and Asuka are kind of just there at this point. Like, they sure had a good little tag team run, you know, whatever. But, like, they're kind of just there they're kind of just bianca's support i mean i feel like there's a eventual bianca belair bailey clash for the title at some point and bailey having her little henchmen around i think they're 
goal is to dethrone Bianca and get the title back on Bailey by any means necessary. And I think this is going to be kind of the f- first uh, way to make it happen. I could almost see uh, Bailey getting a defensive pinfall on Bianca Belair here at Sunday or Saturday. Sorry, Saturday. Um, so uh, I'm going that route. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the Heel Group debuted. They've won a ha- most of their matches until this past Monday on Raw. Uh, and I 100% agree with you that I think we're eventually going to get a Bailey bianca match for the Raw Women's title. I mean, all signs kind of point to that. And like you said with Alexa, Alexa and Asuka, I agree. It's like they're fine. You know, this group works together as a team. Alexa seems to kind of have this gimmick where she still comes out with the Lily doll because she wants to remind people that hey, we still have thousands of these in stock on WDShop.com, and I'm still walking out with it, so you should totally just buy one of these so we can get rid of all of the merchandise. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, Asuka and EO, obviously. I've Maybe one day we'll actually get an Asuka-EO match, too, as well, one-on-one, and just not interactions in a tag match. But I'm I'm with you. I think the heels are going to end up winning here. They need it more. Uh, you know, I, Bailey could pin Bianca. Bailey could pin Asuka any one of those things, but yeah, I think it's, it'd be really dumb to not have the heels win. So if Vince was still booking. I would say the faces are winning, but I have a little bit more confidence in triple H and I do Vince when it comes to that. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Bailey's group wins. Uh, that leads us to the Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins match, which got a whole lot more intense this past week on raw uh, they, there was a video of them fighting in the parking lot early, like earlier in the day, and then they did a sit-down interview with them. Now, if you've ever seen the, uh, there was a sit-down interview between Daniel Cormier and John Jones from UFC before their big UFC pay-per-view match year, a few years ago. I can't remember exactly what it was, and it seemed like almost a carbon copy of it. And it got really into it with Rollins, you know, saying, you, know, you want to talk about family, where is your family, Riddle? You know, your wife divorced you, your kids don't want to see you. And then Riddle getting full-on intense mode, basically saying, you know, he's going to fuck Rollins up and don't usually see stuff like that in the WWE. I mean, we've seen sit-down interviews like that before, but to get to that level and to have bleeping and swearing with Riddle using the like F word, it's it got really good. And we question why they delayed this match at SummerSlam. And now I'm kind of glad they did because the intensity this feud has brought since the delay of that match has been great with them just constantly fighting everywhere. A couple weeks ago on Raw, they started the show with them fighting in the backstage and going into the crowd. Uh, If there was a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up, I would say it'd be a good Hell in a Cell match, but there's not Hell in a Cell coming up. But it's one of those things where I hope, given the intensity that we saw from Riddle last night on Raw, that he needs to keep it up. Come to the ring. Don't go on the scooter. Don't do the flip-flop thing. Don't do your whole entrance. Just let Rollins come out first and then have Riddle come out and just have Riddle take his jacket off, throw it to the ground, throw his hat to the ground, and then just start fighting with Seth. Um, As far as the winner of this match goes, I'm going to go ahead and actually pick, though, Seth Rollins because I think it's going to be a situation where... Riddle just gets so intense and so into the match. They have a great match. And then towards the end, Rollins just antagonizes him about stuff. And Riddle beats him down to the point where he gets disqualified. Now, I know you don't normally want disqualifications on big events like this. But I think in a situation like this, it would work. 
uh, because the next pay-per-view coming up is Extreme Rules, and you can do some kind of Extreme Rules match there where there's no disqualification. It gives Seth Rollins a win that he badly needs to get. And like I said, it plays into the story where Riddle is so... Rollins is so in Riddle's head and so mad at the fact that Rollins is bringing up his family. He just beats the crap out of him and he doesn't listen to the ref. The ref does a five count or something or there's not a rope break. And the ref just says, screw it, and disqualifies him. I think it works in this kind of story that it's okay in an event like this. And like I said, it gives Rollins a need that I know, Chairman, you know that he needs. So uh, who are you going with here? I'm going with Riddle. <laughs> I'm not picking Rollins at a premier live event in 2022. The track record ain't good for my boy Seth Rollins. It's the opposite not... of Shayna Baszler. Exactly. He ain't getting booked right. I don't care if I bitch is booking things now. Um, but, yeah, that freaking segment last night, I dropped my freaking jaw. Like, Seth Rollins usually cackling around and shit, and all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, he got like all serious, man. And then he's just like freaking, ever since uh, Riddle dropped that freaking man line about Becky's pants, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Seth just like straight, just straight face, like Primo said, freaking, you know, wife and kid left you, you bitch. And then Riddle just went off the hinges. Like, I'm sure it was ran by Riddle, you know, but like, my God, if they would have got like a full blown, like natural reaction, my God, that was Riddle, Riddle, man, he was livid. No more bro. You know, he's, he's hot, man. Like they've been doing this well, parking that brawls, you know, like shit you don't see very often anymore. Like. This is a, a great feud. I mean, you know, we usually talk how WWE doesn't really have a whole lot of good feuds that, unless they involve a championship, but, you know, they've been doing some really good stuff lately in that department. And this feud is one of them. And Rollins, you know, keeps wanting to get back to the championship, but he keeps getting derailed by people like Riddle and Cody Rhodes. So he's like, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to go back for the title. And sure, we hope you do, Seth, get back there. We really do, but you're not going to beat, you know, Riddle. You're probably going to get RKO'd and then. Maybe Randy will come back. Maybe he's the big surprise. He's going to fly overseas. And then, you know, Riddle and Randy are going to go and have a time of their life in the UK. And Seth will just take another L and go home and hang out with Becky and the baby. Yeah, you bring it up, talking about how Rollins continues to bring up Roman. I mean, that's another thing that I kind of like that I saw somebody point out, is that so many people are talking about going after Roman, whether it's Drew, whether it's Seth, whether it's Kevin Owens, whether it's even Austin Theory. All these guys bringing up how they want to go after Roman and win the title. It's nice, rather than it just being, oh, it's Brock. Or, or it's just this guy this month. Uh, I'm all for that. And speaking of Roman, that is the main event, obviously, this show. Roman versus Drew for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Um, I think this is the closest we're going to possibly get to the idea of Roman Reigns losing. And I saw somebody point out on Twitter today that today is two years since Roman has won the Universal title. So that's where we are as far as that goes. But... I mean, I never bought into Brock winning either one of these times. Um, I mean, yeah, I can't think of when I felt as like, okay, this is possible for Roman to lose here, as close to that feeling as I did, as I do going into Clash of the Castle this Saturday. So uh, what are your thoughts on this match, Chairman, and who are you going with? Yeah, this is a big match. Like, this is like, you know... How long ago, I would say, Drew McIntyre, probably even back thinking WrestleMania was going to be the opportunity, you know, for Drew to face Roman and beat him, but obviously they went to Brock. Like, you know, in the second they did the draft, you know, last fall, and they put Drew McIntyre on SmackDown, I'm like, okay, 
this is like the guy of SmackDown, the alpha. You know, he's away from Raw. You know, he hasn't had too many opportunities at the championship lately because, I mean, obviously, when Drew was, like, constantly getting put himself in title matches, it's like it's getting a little old. But now I think he's got a little bit of break from that, you know, build himself back up, you know, just, you know, and obviously a lot of people are hoping he wins for the fact that, you know, he's in his home country and he's in a live crowd. You know, remember his title reign was during the pandemic era of freaking Thunderdome screens. So that sucks. And then, of course, you know, Drew brought up good points of, like, how he beat Brock Lesnar, like, instantly, and it took Roman and the Usos and Paul Heyman and Austin Theory and, you know, all these weapons and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, Drew's bringing up good points. I mean, uh, this is a tough one, though, because, like, you know, they keep bringing up Roman Reigns, you know, just hit the two-year mark. Are they really going to pull the plug already? And, you know, as much as I want to say the end of the Tribal Chief, I'm going to say Roman survives. I don't know how... Or what, you know, maybe it's carrying cross or something happens. I don't know what. Maybe Theory screws things up. I don't know. I just got this weird feeling that the Tribal Chief survives again. Um, I'm sure Jimmy and Jey Uso will be around. You know, maybe Sami Zayn will hop around. He may actually have a kick him because, you know, as long as it's not Kevin Owens, apparently he'll bash your face on a chair. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier in the show, the Sami Zayn stuff right now with Roman backstage has been great. You know, the Uso stuff, you know, Jay hates him. Jimmy's tolerates him. Like this is like the future. Like I want to see Sammy and KO beat the Usos because the Usos are turds for the tag titles. But I mean, that's a whole different story, but like this whole bloodline, Sammy stuff's great, you know, Roman, um, and they can continue this for months if they need to. So Drew's going to go down. I think, I think Roman survives. I mean, Theory will probably try cashing in again. Maybe Johnny Gargano will come out of nowhere and screw him over, too. Who knows? But I think a lot of crazy shit's going to happen in this main event. Yeah, I think the more I think about it, the more I'm with you with Roman retaining. And like we talked about with the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens thing, I think that is the start of the downfall of the bloodline. I think first you have the Usos lose the tag titles before you have Roman lose his title. And if they're going to go through with this story with Sammy and KO, you know, possibly becoming friends and Sammy getting sick of how the bloodline's actually treating him and joining up with KO and they're the ones that beat the Usos for the tag titles, I think that's how you start the story. Because if you ever want to see the crack of an empire, you don't like, you don't see it start at the very, very top with the leader going down. You see it building below with other things breaking and other parts of the Empire's foundation cracking and I think the Usos losing the tag titles first makes more sense than Roman losing one or both of his titles first I mean we'll see what happens they do a draft again they split the titles up and they use that as an excuse to get one of the titles off Roman that's kind of a cheap way to do it but you never know so I think Roman retains here I think it'll be a great match but like I said I think you see Roman retain, and then maybe even next month or sometime with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn here, you see those two guys join up, them take out the Usos first, and then you start seeing them. You can start talking about, oh, there's cracks in the bloodline. You know, Sami Zayn left, and then Sami Zayn and KO won the tag titles, and what could Roman be next? That's where I think it ends up happening. And then that's where I think we see, like I said, the cracks or the full crack break. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Roman here too as well. 
Um, real quick, I kind of touched on it before uh, before talking about the pay-per-view as far as rumored names about some other people coming back. I mean, Bray Wyatt's always out there as far as rumors go. Like I said, there's a report from Sean Ross Sapp that Braun Strowman's a name that's being talked about internally. And then also um, Bronson Reed Jonah is another possible name that was talked about as well that Triple H might want to come back. Uh, what are your thoughts on those names there, Chairman? I brought up real quick before we uh, sign off here. I mean, obviously, if Bray Wyatt comes back, that's a excitement right there. I know a lot of people liked Bray Wyatt, liked his work, his, you know, his original gimmick, you know, the Swamp Guy, whatever you want to call it, and then of course Eater of Worlds, and of course the Fiend, you know, is a whole different animal there. So I mean, it's like what I said before. It's like you know, this guy's a genius. He might bring up a whole new character. He might bring up parts of his old characters. Braun Strowman, I don't need to see back, honestly. I think he had a window and they missed it, and <clears throat> he's just a big bitter guy now. Like he's just he's just whiny. He's like a big whiny, and controls his narrative and he just hates freaking AEW for passion. So he definitely ain't getting hired there anywhere. And I know he's dating Raquel or still is. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that shit. But you know, I I could do without Braun Strowman. Um, I do Bronson Reed. You know Jonah. Like I wasn't a big fan of him at first in NXT, but he kind of grew on me. You know, so, and then, you know, then I kind of got behind him, and then, like, they released him, so I was kind of bummed out about that, you know, because he was catching on. And I think, you know, he's a Triple H NXT guy, so I think, you know, he would be a good steady hand for, you know, a mid-card, you know, division or Raw or SmackDown. So, if that happens, cool. And, I mean, there's a lot of always talk about anybody coming back. I mean, Team Angle might come back. They missed the ball last night by not bringing back Shelton Benjamin to help Kurt out the Street Profits. I want to see Shelton Benjamin go down there and kick Otis's ass, and Charlie Haas come back for a night, kick Otis's ass, everybody kick Otis's ass, and the stupid Shrewish boy. That would have been cool. Yeah, Kurt Angle, man, Kurt Angle just looked so weird last night with his like a, 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 his like Team Angle jacket on, and then just no shirt, and it's Olympic gold medal. I'm like, like somebody pointed out, he looks like just like every gym teacher in like America. I'm like, oh yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about Braun before on the show how they missed the ball with him so many years ago, and then try to get it back by putting the title on him but it was way too late so he's i can give or take him coming back i think Bray coming back under this situation would probably work uh and same thing with jonah bronson reed you know she's a triple h guy he's a guy that triple h obviously like booking in nxt won a lot of people over and then never got the proper shot on the main roster so again with triple h in charge and his guys he probably finds a way to protect them so I think he would do. He, he would be a good mid-card hand, I think, if he came back to the WWE. So that is our show for today. And like I said, you're getting a double dose of us this week because we're going to come back Friday night with our AEW All Out preview. So for my co-host, the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off, and we will talk to you then.